Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Now, lunchtime edition here, WABC, Election Day. Oh, Lou, where were you at 5.59 this morning? I know you were firing up for, uh, I, I heard part of the show, part of it. It was uh, Laura Curran and Andrew Giuliani and, of course, the Peacock. How could I not mention him, Sid Rosenberg? So by the time you fired up at 6 in the morning, you know what had happened, Lou? It was the Beaver, named in honor of Leave it to Beaver, Blood Moon. Did you happen to know that? Please, I don't want... Yeah, I don't want to hear that pedophile on a pedestal, Michael Jackson. You heard, can I hear that wolf call one more time? You know where I was at 5.59 this morning in the heart of Central Park, near the Rambles, with my wife Nancy, who was howling to the moon. Her nickname is Lone Wolf One. And she was staring up in the sky, and she was able to see what I couldn't see, a full lunar eclipse. At 5.59 this morning, as the sun was passing by the moon and left what? A red shadow. Now, what is the meaning of that? Because we're not going to have another full lunar eclipse until 2025. Astrologically, it's too bad that Nancy Reagan is not alive any longer, the lady in red, because she charted the course of her husband's career based on the astrological chart. She had warned him, don't go out today. I know you have a meeting, but something dastardly is going to happen to you. And remember, it did. Hinckley appears out of nowhere shoots the press secretary, and then almost kills our president, Ronald Reagan. And what is Hinckley doing today, Lou? He's going around the country doing concerts. Yeah, yeah, that's America. But anyway, astrologically, it's very important to this election day because what it means is there will be a deeply transformative time that can bring about abrupt and sudden change. And I know for everybody out there supporting Republicans, the red wave, the red tsunami, you're saying, aha, another indication that we are going to sweep to victory nationally, regionally, statewide, county-wise, local elections. It's going to be one big sweep. The only difference is when you're talking about the election of either Congressman Lee Zeldin as our next governor or for the first time, Hochul, as our governor, being elected first female uh, governor. You have to check their astrological charts. Uh, Phil, I know you are mindless. Uh, You're like lost in a drug-induced psychosis. Would you copy these dates down and the names of the two candidates? Uh, I see Lee Zeldin, January 30th. He's in Aquarius. And uh, for Kathy Crinewave Holcomb, uh, she was born on August 27th. She's Virgo. Uh, would you go back 
uh, with our uh, social networking people. They play the Ouija board during lunch and see astrologically what they come up with. Oh, I only wish we could channel Nancy Reagan. After her husband, Ronald Reagan, our president, was shot by Hinckley, who, again, is conducting concerts around the country now. (laughs) He never again violated his wife's suggestion based on the astrological charge, including even his sit-downs with Gorbachev, the author of Glasnost and Perestroika. But let's get that out of the way. And then, of course, I did my civic duty earlier today, went to vote with all the Altachakas on the Upper West Side, the heaviest Democratic turnout and voting district of the many in the 62 counties of the state of New York. I mean, there are Democrats there that that predate FDR, and they've never vacillated. They never changed their vote. So I went and I voted where I've been voting for the last two years, and you may have remembered During the mayoral election, I was denied entry because I had my little cat with me. Remember? My little cat. And every time that I voted, there's a big sign now, a big sign that says, no pets allowed, no pets allowed. So when I went in this time, again, you had these four autococcus outside. They were Democratic Socialists of America before AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Their leader was even birthed. I mean, they go back to the days of Eugene V. Debs when he was the socialist candidate for president and he got a million votes. That's how long ago these Altacacas were socialists. And they say, you're not coming in with that cat. They wanted to do a stop and frisk with me, Lou, because they didn't see the cat on me. They figure I had the cat hidden. So I go inside with Nancy and we vote. Of course, we voted for Zeldin. We voted the Republican ticket, although Nancy won't tell me who she voted for. She won't even tell me her age, right? I can't even find out her age. All I know is, uh, Republicans, uh, you were running nobody for judgeships. How the hell is it you can have an election for all kinds of judges and not even have an alternative? Slam dunk for the Democrats. Is that democracy? But I digress. So I'm in there, and who's voting next to us? Somebody who came in with a dog. And the dog's growling at me because he smells the kitten that's hidden inside of me. Low-key. I have low-key hidden underneath my armpit. And this dog senses that I got the cat on me. And it's trying to sniff me up, and I'm trying to ignore it. And then, meantime, I get into a fight with the workers there from the Board of Elections. Obviously, it's already in the bag. You know, these are Republicans and Democrats, but they're like, my God. Uh, they have to take a cognitive test for their age. And I'm arguing, how is it you let a dog in, but you won't let my cat in? No, 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 no pets. No pets for you, Curtis. No pets for you. <laughs> Meantime, they didn't realize they snuck low-key in. <laughs> but anyway, on a better note, oh, if you missed WABC yesterday, my God, it was absolutely the greatest radio of all time. Because everything else is pre-scripted here. What was I listening to it, Brian Kilmeade? Brett Hume. Who knows as much about the elections as you and I, which means nothing, but he postures as a so-called expert. Yeah, I'm tired of this. You know, uh, we'll know who's going to win in a few hours in most of these races. In some of these races, it's going to take a month of Sundays as they count to paper. But the best thing was, for like days, days, I had in my head 
Flavor Flavor Public Enemy. It was like a nightmare. We were playing this promo over and over and over. It was about the debate yesterday. It was 2 o'clock in the afternoon, halfway through Greg Kelly's show, in which Greg Kelly was having in the studio to represent the candidates running for governor of the state of New York. In one corner, Anthony Weiner, who has his own program Saturdays in the middle, and then I do one with him, left versus right. And in the other corner, Andrew Giuliani representing Zeldin. He had actually run against Zeldin in the primary. So it's like, wow, this is really going to be good. And the moderator of the debate was Greg Kelly. And I said right away, wow, this is classic. But I don't think Greg Kelly can pull it off, man. He's not a moderator. You know, it's like I knew it instinctively inside. I said, hey, where's Dominic Carter? Dominic Carter. He's done this for like decades. All the biggest debates, it was always Dominic Carter. Even my one debate, remember, at WABC, Lou, this is before you came back. We were in the green room there, and I crushed Fernando Mateo. Nobody's seen him since. And Dominic Carter was the moderator, and he knows how to moderate a debate. Basically, you throw the question in, you step back, and you let the candidates go at one another. And then all of a sudden, I'm listening And I'm saying to myself, Greg Kelly asked the question and then answers the question. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. This was not a debate. This reminded me of the old WWF. Anthony Weiner in one corner was Baron Miguel Cicluna, fresh from the Isle of Malta. He was the velvet-caped villain. You need a heel. And who was Andrew Giuliani? Well, remember, there was a great tag team in the old WWF of Bruno Sammartino. That would have been Rudy Giuliani. And his tag team mate, the golden boy, Arnold Scolden from White Plains, Westchester, New York, who could do no wrong. So Andrew Cuomo was like Arnold Scolden. Except you had in the middle of it the referee, who is Greg Kelly, who the moment, the moment that that Baron Miguel Cicluna, a.k.a. Anthony Weiner, would start answering an, a question, who would jump in off the top ropes, win the striped jersey of the referee? It was Greg Kelly. Oh, it was hilarious. I was laughing so hard. So then halfway through, Lou, I run in, you know, during the break. I said, Greg, you're the moderator. Just serve it down the middle and let him, let him go at it. Hey, text me. This is my show. Um, he's a rookie. Lou, you know this. You learned it the hard way. I've learned it many times. These are not our shows. They lend us the microphone, and they take back the microphone each and every day. These microphones belong to Red Apple Media in this case. Owners and operators are John and Margot Katsimatidis. We serve at their leisure. How many times, Lou, would you come in the next day, as I did, and they say, "Uh, we're not lending you the microphone today? You got one hour, pack up everything. And remember, I got a lot of clutter to pack up. You're in the streets. We don't, we don't have our own shows. We are lent these shows. And we should be grateful every time we show up that we have a show the very next day. Well, he'll learn the hard way. He's a TV guy. The TV guys learn the hard way. But anyway, oh, the best, though, the best was Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk is coming on. The roundtable discussion at five. Yes, the Captain Kirk. He's older than Joe Biden, right? What is he, like 91, a cadaver in formaldehyde? Oh, wow. 
It's Captain Kirk coming on to hustle everybody with a book that nobody's going to buy. Like he used to have songs, Lou, remember? Captain Kirk would sing songs, and the only host in all of radio who would ever have him on, because he needed to keep his singing in the shower, was our own Frank Morano from the other side of midnight. And you could tell that John Katsimatidis' host of the roundtable discussion at 5 was a real Star Trek fan, a Captain Kirk fan. So he asked Captain Kirk... He said, man, I remember as a kid uh, when I was going to NYU, we were crowded around in the dorm room. It was a black and white TV, and we were watching Star Trek. And, oh, my God, Captain Kirk dropped a bomb on him. Like, you think that's why I'm on the air to discuss that? I said, oh, my God, this guy is a real curmudgeon. And then all of a sudden, uh, they're discussing uh, burning fossil fuel. And as you know, uh, what was it? Uh, his claim to fame of the many that Captain Kirk has is that he took that trip into space. Uh, what was that? The Blue Lagoon, the Blue Origin, one of those uh, ships. And he said it felt like a, a funeral. He wept because he saw the demise of the world with the burning of fossil fuel. And then our boss, great talk show host in his own right, John Katsimatidis, full transparency, said, hey, look. I own, a, I own an oil company. Oh, my God, Shatner went off. And I'm saying to myself, I wish I was in that room. I would say, hey, Shatner, how many tons uh, of uh, a carbon footprint did you leave on the world in that Blue Origin, a.k.a. Blue Lagoon fight? But who suddenly jumped in to save Captain Kirk? Frank Morano from the other side of midnight, who is like his number one sycophant, Tony Lackey. Who he said, oh, you know, he tries to immediately save Shatner from himself. But they wouldn't let me come on. Because, Lou, you know what I would have said to Shatner? Hey, Captain Kirk. One thing uh, we never quite figured out in 1999, when your wife supposedly slipped and fell into that pool and drowned in Canada, where you're from, the Canadian that you are, where were you at that very time, Captain Kirk? There is still an enigma. There is still a mystery surrounding your whereabouts. And your wife in 1999 met her demise. In the pool. Oh, it was so good. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. And there's no stopping us right now. And there's no stopping us right now. There's no stopping us right now. I feel so close to you right now. And I know for many of you who are the political cognoscente, this is as good as it gets. This is like your climax of a political campaign. Tomorrow, there will be the agony of defeat. Or the thrill of victory, as the ABC Wild World of Sports with Kurt Gowdy used to announce. And let me just say, regardless of what parties these candidates uh, represent, running for office, 
is extraordinarily difficult. It's taxing uh, on not just uh, yourself, your families, your supporters, everybody out there who uh, gives up a lot of their time because they either believe in you or they're an apparatchik of one party or the other. Let me just get that aside. But I noticed in this uh, election cycle, a vampire Lou has emerged. We thought he was in his crypt out there in Southampton in the Chris Cuomo Fredo compound with Joe Pococo, the wartime consigliere of the old Mario Faccia Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo the first years, and the Andrew Evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo the second years. And it is Andrew Cuomo, like all of a sudden, where schmucks, where putzes, he really thinks we're stupid, we're idiots. Because now even Brian Kilmeade on his show that you can hear here from 10 to 12 took a cut of what Andrew Cuomo had said here on WABC just about a week ago. And you would think that he was recast, rebirthed, reanointed, resurrected as Mr. Law and Order Andrew Cuomo. I don't know why the Democrats, and this is nationwide, I don't know why they can't be more aggressive addressing the issue of crime. You can be a progressive, but you still understand that job one is public safety. And the truth is some people have to be put in jail to keep society safe. I know it sounds harsh, Mm -hmm. and Democrats don't like to say it. But it's the truth. And until we start addressing crime aggressively and bluntly, uh, we're going to see this issue. What a disgraziato. What a shanda. What a sfachim. Just like his father, Mario Faccia Bruta Cuomo. You know, it's amazing how they view all of us as stupid, as peons, as illiterate, as knuckle-draggers, like they can say say something one day, and this applies to Republicans too, and we're going to forget it the next day. Remember, the author of No Cash Bail, the guy who signed it into law, the guy who pushed it through the state assembly and the state senate, was Governor then Andrew Evilized Cuomo. He was the number one sponsor and supporter of No Cash Bail. He is responsible for No Cash Bail. It's like... He just woke up. Oh, now he's Mr. Law and Order. How many times when he was running before against Molinaro, who's running for congressional race uh, up in his old area, Dutchess County, how many times did he vilify the law enforcement agency who protects us morning, noon, and night, who go out of their homes, put on their bulletproof vests, and go after the criminal illegal aliens who are narco-terrorists, who are sex traffickers, uh, who are gangbangers, who are criminals in their own country of origin and then brought their crime within our own borders. But ICE, Le Migre, Immigration and Naturalization Service. New York State is the state that says we will not cooperate with ICE. They're a bunch of thugs. He politicized ICE. They're a bunch of thugs. We said we will sue them if they violate any criminal laws in the state of New York. They're thugs, right? These honorable men and women that were assembled after 9-11 to protect us from those who overstay their visa and those who are criminal aliens, both in their country of origin and then when they land here illegally. They're thugs. Never said that about MS-13 or Trinitarios, that fake, phony, fraudulent fagasi who's trying to reemerge. And then remember, 
this is my litmus test for whoever gets my support and vote, is what you are advocating in the best interests of America. Remember what Andrew Evilice Cuomo said about this great country of ours. We're not going to make America great again. It was never that great. Could I hear that one more time? Just as a reminder to everybody that this guy disparaged our country. We're not going to make America great again. It was never that great. And I know, Andrew Evilice Cuomo, you're listening on our affiliate out there in the east end of Long Island, WLIRRFM affiliate for uh, Tough Noogies. Uh, I will remind everybody of what you have said on a regular basis, because that's who you really are. But speaking of Cuomo, it's interesting uh, as we uh, run towards the counting of the votes. It'll start uh, when the polls close throughout New York State tonight in the very contested gubernatorial race against Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb and Lee Zeldin. Lou, I have in my hand the New York Post here, and uh, they decided a while back that they were throwing all in for Lee Zeldin against Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb. I'm, I'm happy they did. Because remember, they threw all in for Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, and hey, look at what we have as a result. More crime, more chaos than we ever had in eight years of Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Hill. So maybe they're trying to make amends for that. So as I go through now the first ten the first ten pages of today's New York Post on election day, I'm looking at every story about Lee Zeldin as if he's the second coming of Hashem and Jesus Christ, depending on your religion, right? Judeo-Christian, if you're a Jew, he's Hashem. If you're a Christian, he's Jesus Christ. Then I'm reading about Kathy Crimewave Holcomb and all her supporters, and Lou, it looks like she's Ma Barker. Now, I know for a lot of you saying, who's Ma Barker? She was the most notorious female criminal In the history of the United States, in fact, for a while, she was public enemy number one by J. Edgar Hoover with the FBI. (laughs) And it sort of reminds me. It reminds me of another election when Rupert Murdoch decided he would get involved whole hog. It was in the aftermath of Ed Koch having beaten uh, Mario Facha Bruta Como in a runoff to become mayor of the city of New York. That was a brutal campaign. Uh, but let me, let me take the uptick. Rupert Murdoch was not involved at that point. He did not own the New York Post. And New York Post at that point, when Ed Koch beat Mario Cuomo in the runoff to become mayor of the city of New York, was an afternoon newspaper, a left-wing newspaper, a, a newspaper that, quite frankly, would never have ever written anything positive about a Republican, a conservative, or even a Democratic conservative. At that time, that would have been uh, Mario Procaccino, uh, who lost to John Lindsay, who tabbed John Lindsay back then as the limousine liberal, or would not have said anything uh, about a Democrat who also ran on the conservative line for mayor, Mario Biaggi, the most decorated police officer in the history of the NYPD. But then Murdoch bought it, and it became very conservative. And he decided in 1982 that he would throw the weight of the New York Post behind Ed Koch, who was going to make a run for governor. Uh, Except standing in his way in the Democratic primary was the lieutenant governor, Mario Fachabruta Como, who then Governor Hugh Carey hated, loathed, despised. They were like two uh, scorpions in a brandy glass. So it was a very heated campaign. 
And Ed Koch was ahead because he had such a lead downstate, especially in the five boroughs of the city of New York and some of the surrounding suburbs, whereas Mario Cuomo was way ahead upstate because uh, they knew who Mario Cuomo was. He had been secretary of state and he had been lieutenant governor. But then Ed Koch did a interview in Playboy magazine where he said that the lifestyle of suburbs and upstate was sterile. Women wearing gingham dresses, men milking cows. And he said he couldn't imagine living in a small town like Albany because they didn't have any good Chinese restaurants, especially where was he going to go on a Sunday night? <laughs> that was it for him. Uh, the lieutenant governor then, Mario Cuomo, went on to become uh, the Democratic nominee. And then there was a very, very heated uh, general election in which he beat Louis Lerman. He was the big pharmaceutical giant, a king, uh, owned many, many companies. He wore the red suspenders. That was his uh, fame uh, and claim uh, in political life. And it was Mario Fachabruta Como who won the governorship 51% to 48% for Louis Lerman. And it was really close, close, close. So that was a time that the New York Post uh, threw in totally for Ed Koch, and he crashed and burned. The irony of it all is that years later, the FCC had passed a rule that said you could not own a newspaper and a local TV station in the same uh, area. And so Murdoch owned Channel 5, as he does now, and he owned the New York Post, and he had to give up one of them. The FCC said you got to give up one of them, and so naturally he gave up the Post. He wasn't going to give up Channel 5. But the Post was going to close. They tried a number of alternatives that just did not work. They were on the verge of being padlocked. When, believe it or not, Mario Facha Bruta Como, who hated Rupert Murdoch because of what Rupert Murdoch had done to him to try to derail him from becoming governor, actually called for an FCC waiver so that Murdoch would be able to own a TV station and a newspaper in the same market, New York. That's how Rupert Murdoch owns Channel 5 today and the New York Post. And likewise, Ted Kennedy, the swimmer, did the same thing in Boston, where Murdoch owned the local Fox uh, TV station and the Boston Herald. And Ted Kennedy, to his credit, said, hey, man, the Herald will die without Rupert Murdoch. So he urged that the FCC give the... uh, Wave the wave. <laughs> How politics makes for strange bedfellows, right? And then all morning long, I'm listening. Uh, Lou, you know, I listen intently to Sid Rosenberg, 6 to 10. He had on Laura Curran, the former Nassau County executive who crashed and burned uh, against the Republican uh, wave in the last election cycle. And naturally, Andrew Giuliani, who lost in the Republican primary to Lee Zeldin. Good program. But I notice, uh, make note of this, Lou. I notice how all of a sudden Sid Rosenberg was the best friend that Michael Lawler ever had, Assemblyman Michael Lawler, upstate running against Sean Maloney, you know, who uh, lives with his husband up there. He's the real power of the Democratic money machine in the House, but has led a Barney Frank style lifestyle in his home with his husband. Uh, and I'm saying to myself, oh man, what a hot mess that is. Now, tomorrow, Lou. If, if perchance, Michael Lawler loses, I guarantee you that Sid won't even mention it. This is what happens in all of radio. 
It's like at the track when you lose, you lose, you lose, and you finally have a winner. You talk about your winners, you don't talk about your losers. I am predicting that. Now, let me give you the real deal, ladies and gentlemen, because the promo says Curtis knows where all the bones and who are buried and who buried them. Curtis Lewa knows more about New York City. Every nook, cranny, and corner, even my adversaries, my many enemies out there, acknowledge that. And I will tell you what has happened. Ten days ago, the Democratic Party was woken up from a deep sleep. Not woke, woken up from a deep sleep. Poll after poll came out showing that Lee Zeldin had actually taken a gap that at one point was 20% the differential. And remember, it made sense because Lee Zeldin was a Trumper. Lee Zeldin had signed not to verify the votes of New Yorkers in the presidential election. And Lee Zeldin was pro-life, even in the case of rape and incest. Boy, that was a hell of a lot of negatives against him. So in most polls, he was 20 percent behind. And then 10 days ago, because he rode the crime train right to um, equality in terms of the polls, even Stevens. He was just like a few percentage points behind. Well, the Democrats woke up. Lee Zeldin may have peaked a little too soon, a little too soon. Because uh, all of a sudden, I've, I've noticed a marked difference in the last two weeks. The Dems are going door-to-door on the projects. They're trying to get their vote out. They must get the African-Americans, the West Indians, the Caribbeans to vote. If they do, Hoku then gets elected the first female governor in the state of New York. If they don't, Lee Zeldin becomes your governor. They've been working the black churches for the last two weeks in the five boroughs, especially Brooklyn. And they've been spreading street money. This has been the, the, the mother's milk of Democratic politics in the inner city since the Irish controlled Tammany Hall more than a century ago. And the Irish came off the boats and they gave them money and said, you're voting Democrat for the rest of your life. All the unions I've seen out there, District 3rd, I saw them yesterday hitting the corners, blanketing places with the palm cards. So they're gearing up for the battle. So the bottom line, when you look at it today, is, is it going to be reminiscent of George Pataki's upset of Mario Cuomo in 1994? Or is it going to be that the Democrats woke up just in time to snatch victory out of the jaws of defeat? Very quickly, if Lee Zeldin can win Erie County, which is a Democratic county that is 15 percent of the vote, as George Pataki did in 94, he will be the next governor of the state of New York. If uh, African-Americans don't come out and vote in the normal way they do in the back pockets uh, of the Democratic machine, Lee Zeldin will become the next governor of the state of New York. So I'm looking at Brooklyn and I'm looking at the Buffalo area because in my mind, doing all the analytics, all these so-called experts, they act like they know everything. They're omnipotent. They're pretentious. They're obstinate. They don't have boots on the ground. They know nothing about nothing. This is uh, this is the Curtis Lewa perception that you're not going to hear anywhere else here on WABC, the number one news talk station in the nation or anywhere else in the nation. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Curtis 
might be that zodiac queen. <laughs> Two hearty boob, chin full of pubes, Ted Cruz Ah, this is great. Sesame Street, it was an ode by Elmo to Ted Cruz, who I hate, I loathe, I despise. And you notice it was the cast characters of Sesame Street, Big Bird, Oscar the Grouch, Cookie Monster, Bert and Ernie, who I could have swore were gay. And they said that uh, Ted Cruz, he reminded them of the Zodiac Killer. He really did. I mean, if there's somebody out there who is so loathsome, you, you, you want to just hate out of every pore you bodied. It's Ted Cruz. There he was in the Houston Astros victory parade, their victory against the Philadelphia Phillies. Of course, the Astros are cheaters. Two World Series in six years. And who's in the middle of the parade like he was a Houston Astro? Ted Cruz on a Humvee. And they're booing him and they're flicking him the bird and they're screaming at him in victims and they're throwing beer cans at him. Good, good. Should have been a human pinata. And remember back, it was the Indiana primary in 2016. And it was neck and neck between Ted Cruz, who said that he had been commanded by God in a Baptist church in Houston with his wife and his father to run for the presidency, versus uh, citizen at that time, Donald Trump. And remember what Trump said that upset the Ted Cruz uh, battleship on his way to the Republican nomination in Cleveland. His father was with Lee Harvey Oswald prior to Oswald's being, uh, you know, shot. I mean, the whole thing is ridiculous. What, what, what is this right prior to his being shot? And nobody even brings it up. I mean, they don't even talk about that. That was reported, uh, and nobody talks about it. But I think it's horrible. Right. There was a picture out there that reportedly shows um, uh, Raphael Cruz standing with Lee Harvey Oswald. I mean, what, I was, he doing with, what um, was he doing with Lee Harvey Oswald <laughs> right. shortly before the death, uh, before the shooting? It's, uh, re- it's horrible. <laughs> that was Brian Kilmeade on Fox and Friends that very morning. And yet Ted Cruz now shakes Donald Trump's hand. All is forgiven and forgotten. And, oh, my God, you say to yourself, how, how, how could you do that? Now that Trump is rising up, it looks like he's going to announce for the presidency again. How could you get on that stage with a guy who said your father assisted Lee Harvey Oswald with the assassination of J.A.F.K.? You are a Shanda, a double disgraziata, Ted Cruz.